everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. Jesus wasn't referring to alkaline water or the sunny water or vitamin water. That's the Reverend Winston Arthur, and today he brings you a challenging message of faith called Drinking Water Never Felt So Good. I'm Peter Wallace. It's day one. Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's historic Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Now to introduce this week's preacher, here's our host, Peter Wallace. Thank you, Sherry. Today on Day One, we're honored to have with us the Reverend Richard Winston Arthur, Rector of St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Stone Mountain, Georgia. A native of Barbados, Winston earned a bachelor's in history and politics and a law degree from the University of the West Indies. While living in the British Virgin Islands, he practiced law but responded to God's call to ordain ministry in 2011. He later earned his Master of Divinity from Virginia Theological Seminary in Alexandria. He was called to St. Michael and All Angels in April 2017. Winston, welcome to Day One. Thank you so much, Peter. Paint us a portrait of St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church. How would you describe your parish and its people? It's a parish that is full of life. Um, One of the major ways in which they often describe themselves is a bunch that loves to offer hospitality. Mm. And I know this is a buzzword that every church mentions on its website, (laughs) but I think true hospitality, a cheerfulness, a joy to welcome their friends and their families in the pews and visitors alike is true in their speech and their presence. Mm. So it's it's a loving parish. It's a parish that has an outward focus and having a presence within the community And it's a parish that loves to break bread together and have talk over lovely food. Mm. I really like the statement on your church website that says, we deeply value our differences, which we believe are invitations to seek and serve Christ in those we might not regularly encounter. Unpack that for us. How does that play out at St. Michael and All Angels? Sure. If we can go back to the composition of the church, I often describe it as a multinational, multicultural, multilingual parish. So in the pews, you see a tremendous amount of diversity. Mm -hmm. And notwithstanding that diversity uh, from all over the world, uh, we come together and seek out the common interests that we have Mm -hmm. beyond the love of God and love to serve God. So politically, um, food choices, matter of dress, mm-hmm. um, places to go to enjoy or uh, with friends and family may differ. Mm-hmm. However, we celebrate those differences, and you can see that in conversations over and over again. Even in liturgy, we often have conversations between 
whether we should be strict to the Book of Common Prayer, <laughs> whether we should diversify our music as well, uh, more traditional or contemporary, and be land always of a combination of something rather than one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. Stone Mountain is a beautiful village just to the east of Atlanta, but it has something of a history. Stone Mountain Park is an amazing natural resource there with all kinds of activities and displays. But on the face of the granite mountain there is the largest sculpture honoring Confederate Civil War leaders, Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee, and Jefferson Davis. And efforts have been debated for years about how best to handle that monument in view of its racist past. But how do you approach that debate as the rector of a church there? To embody what is already present at the church. And that is an Mm -hmm. understanding that if we are calling ourselves servants of God, Mm -hmm. there must be an intentionality to recognize that the diversity in which we see and we speak about should be cherished mm-hmm. and uplifted within our community. Mm-hmm. So even with the Confederacy and even with a desire to hearken back to a time in America where there was division in terms of race, We still hold those views, consider them, and not dismiss Mm -hmm. because we value all different opinions. However, at the conclusion of a conversation, what we try to do, whether it is an outreach program, whether it is my or my church's presence in working with the city council Mm -hmm. uh, or offering prayers uh, at community meetings, We land at this fundamental point. Wherever you start, on a different side of the tracks, politically or socially, that we respect the dignity of every human being. That's where we land. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we are in a space now where I am the first rector of color of the parish. Mm -hmm. We are in a time where the first mayor of the city is also of color. And at the same time, still honoring the history that is mm-hmm. so diverse, but charting a way forward and how we can uh, welcome everyone into the conversation and recognize the value of everyone, notwithstanding their physical makeup or even political views. Mm. So what are some of the ways that your church reaches out to the community in service? Oh, absolutely. So a uh, great question. As I mentioned, we are an outward-looking church that's critical to our mission and the sharing of God's Word to recognize those in our community. So several projects we have been engaged in uh, in 2022, of course, you're familiar with the crisis in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. We partnered with the city um, to engage in the planting of of certain flowers that are native to Ukraine uh, in our community. Uh, at the park and in leading prayers with other religious leaders Mm -hmm. and city council members at that service. We have also energized our parish by focusing on food distribution drives Mm -hmm. in the community. One of the things that we recognized is, especially during COVID, um, that there's a desire and a need to meet the basic needs of individuals in our community. Mm. 
So perishable, non-perishable food items is critical. And we, we, uh, we partner with the city, mm-hmm. uh, the mayor and council members to serve over a thousand people in our community uh, at various food drive events in 2022. Mm. And it's amazing how uh, it might just be food distribution, but where it's coming from, who is serving, there's a message of love that you matter, that we are in relationship with you. And in addition to spiritual certainty, Mm -hmm. support, as well as comfort from our church, we are also here to assist you in your everyday life need Mm -hmm. in the community. So, Winston, you have had an interesting life journey. You're a native of Barbados. You became a lawyer, practiced commercial litigation, served as executive director of an international offshore trust company, and then something happened. How did your calling to ministry unfold for you? You asked me that question, and it seems full circle. Uh, The epiphany, the awakening, the clear direction to follow God, in addition to I'm practicing as a lawyer, not knowing where it would end, mm-hmm. really started in a booth, a radio station similar to where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a lay Eucharistic minister, one of my roles, of course, was to serve the altar. In addition to that and offering pastoral care with the rector at the time, um, I was also part of our radio ministry committee. It meant that once a month I would preach mm. or offer a word, mm-hmm. radio ministry in Tortola in the British Virgin Islands. And as after offering in a booth similar to this, my reflection on the gospel, I distinctly remember being filled with so much joy mm. and energy, more than I was ever filled before in my life. And I left the radio station. I returned to my office. I closed the door. And just like a scene from Rocky, I was shadow boxing with so much joy and nervous, but very full in energy to do something. And I knew that if serving God and making my community know how much I love God inspired such movement in my body, it was something I needed to pursue more seriously. Mm, I love that. So this is the third Sunday in Lent, and your sermon focuses on the gospel account of the Samaritan woman at the well from John chapter 4. Would you read it for us? Certainly. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, You have no bucket, and the well is deep. 
Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? It's an astonishing encounter in so many ways, and your message on this is titled, Drinking Water Never Felt So Good. Winston, thanks for sharing it with us. It has been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
The 2023 Festival of Homiletics will be May 15th through the 18th, in person in Minneapolis and streaming online. Preachers, you won't want to miss this year's outstanding lineup of church leaders. For information or registration, visit festivalofhomiletics.com. Jesus has always exercised a divine ability to ask his community a question that evokes transformative discernment or make them an offer that they cannot refuse. Questions such as, Do you want to be made well to the man by the sheep gate at the pool? Who do you say I am? To the disciples in respect to an understanding of his identity. What is it you want me to do for you? To James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Jesus often asks these questions to achieve two broad purposes. To comfort his audience, or to challenge his audience. In today's Gospel, the essence of the Messiah's directive discernment to the unnamed woman at Jacob's well is this. Do you want to drink the water of eternal life? It is not only a question that offers the removal of earthly scales from her eyes, nor is it just a transformative directive that will change the path of her earthly pilgrimage, but it is one that will usher in clarity in her life that may have already been darkened due to the absence of the light of Christ. Jesus' divine question to the unnamed woman, who at this stage I prefer to call Zuri, which means beautiful, because Jesus recognized that she was created by God and therefore beautiful in spirit. This conversation took place at Jacob's well. This verbal exchange is widely known by theologians and the church. This is because Jesus' offer of absolution of sin and eternal salvation is to a stranger of a different gender, ethnicity, and religion. However, notwithstanding its theological notoriety, this story is peculiar for several reasons. Firstly, Jesus for once in his earthly ministry cannot or did not have the ability to be resourceful enough to provide for his own needs. This is the same divine Jesus who turned water into wine, healed a blind man, walked on water, calmed seas, and yet could not find 
even a bucket to fetch water at the well. Secondly, Jesus being a Jew, willingly engaged a Samaritan woman in an extended conversation, even though relations between the Israelites and the Samaritans were fraught due to religious differences. And finally, Jesus in this story, although being exhausted and begged for water to drink, never actually rested or drank any water from the well. These observations are peculiar only because the crux of today's gospel is embedded in the conversation between Jesus and Zuri, the woman at the well. In particular, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus wasn't referring to alkaline water or the sunny water or vitamin water. It was the water of knowledge, purification, completeness, and salvation. It was an unconditional offer of a new start in Christ, a new start with a purpose-driven life, one with no shame or eternal damnation. After hearing Jesus' offer, I can only imagine for Zuri, drinking water never felt so good. That's why Zuri responded by saying, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. This divine water, gushing up to eternal life, soothes the soul. This divine water provides comfort to the brokenhearted. This divine water settles the spirit of those who are wrestling with their faith and purpose. This divine water affirms God's Old Testament covenant with humankind, one of continuous relationship, love, and protection. This is the nature of the water that Jesus offered Zuri, a gift that she willingly accepted. For us now today, over 2,000 years after this exchange at Jacob's well, the water of purification is often aligned with the water of baptism. This symbol signals the cleansing of the soul and membership into the body or army of Christ. It is the resetting of the soul to be tuned 
with protection, abundant blessings, and knowledge of the presence of God. But with the comfort of this open invitation by the divine, we are not only comforted, but also challenged by God to drink this water and gain access to eternal life requires a total and consistent quest to seek out God in all things and in all aspects of our lives. This story is not only an invitation to taste and see the goodness of the Lord, to bask in the fact that the water of everlasting life is readily available when we walk with thee. It is our challenge, therefore, to walk with thee daily, that we are willing to encounter Jesus through the eyes of the strangers we meet, that to live in the spirit of truth is to respect the dignity of every human being, regardless of religion, race, sexuality, or gender. It is no coincidence that this gospel features two figures from drastically different backgrounds. However, there is something about the word and presence of God that earthly and human-inspired barriers always crumble at their foundation. The danger of Zuri's mountaintop experience at Jacob's well with Jesus is that hearers of the word, this word, may conclude that the only step required is to drink from the cup of Christ once. Conversely, however, our call as onward Christian soldiers is to identify the well within our lives and drink from this water continuously. The image that resonates with me most from this story is not two strangers conversing in a deep and loving dialogue at the well, but of this woman walking with her empty bucket up a hill. Walking with purpose and intent, knowing full well that what she needs is for her bucket to be filled, for renewal, refreshment, sustenance, and for survival. This is the certainty of the life-given water that Jesus speaks about. The certainty that notwithstanding the difficulties that the journey to the well may provide in our lives, there is always a certain path toward God. The certainty that the well will always be there. The certainty that the well will never be empty. The certainty that the well will always provide spiritual refreshment. The certainty that when we partake at this well, we can't help 
but run and testify to someone that we have had an encounter with Christ, a God that knows us better than ourselves. Brothers and sisters in Christ, drinking this water never felt so good. Amen. Our preacher today was the Reverend Winston Arthur, rector of St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Stone Mountain, Georgia. For a free transcript of his sermon, Drinking Water Never Felt So Good, call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Please keep in mind that Day One depends on the financial gifts of faithful listeners like you. Send your donation to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. We're grateful for your help. This is Peter Wallace. Next time on Day One, we're honored to welcome the Reverend Dr. Jeremy Schulte, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church of Gainesville, Georgia. Don't miss his inspiring message, The Reborn Identity. That's next week on day one. Our day one preacher, Winston Arthur, offers some final reflections on his sermon, Drinking Water Never Felt So Good. And Winston, you began with a fascinating observation. You said, Jesus always exercised a divine ability to ask his community a question that evokes transformative discernment or makes them an offer they cannot refuse. And you gave several examples. Jesus often asks questions to achieve two broad purposes, you told us, to comfort his audience or to challenge them. And here in John chapter 4, the question to the woman at the well was, do you want to drink the water of eternal life? You know, as you explain this, I had this feeling that maybe we in the church aren't asking questions like that of our own congregations or our communities. What do you think? How might we model Jesus in this way? Yeah, to be in relationship with Jesus is to be in continuous discernment. Mm. And when we decide a program, a pathway, a liturgical service, a reflection on the gospel, we should always be focusing on where is God leading us mm. to transform our own lives or the people we serve. Yeah. So Jesus has a way of comforting us, meaning that there is going to always be unconditional love once we are in a relationship with Jesus. And that comes out in the stories that are told, the relationships that are formed along the pilgrimage of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is always as well, being armed with the knowledge of that relationship, how are we using our bodies as vessels to which the good news of God is being amplified wherever we are? Mm. 
there's always a challenge. Mm. It is never just confined to Matthew 28 to go in the Great Commission. It's in conversation. It's in thought. It's in planning. It's in the execution of the programs that we conceptualize for our congregation. It's a challenge of being present and staying still and being very earnest in where God is speaking to us and how we use language, not only words, but tone, to communicate with others. You said you can only imagine for Zuri, the woman at the well, as you named her, drinking water never felt so good. And we're many miles and many years away from this encounter. So how can we drink of this water today? Not just once, as you said, but continuously. There's an old, tried, and and tested pathway to know God. Immerse ourselves Mm. with the Word. Mm. That's the foundation of everything that we do. It's the source of our knowledge, our understanding. And wherever we are in our lives, when we read a piece of Scripture, the same Scripture, at different junctures in our lives, we have a different interpretation. Mm -hmm. It's a living document of instruction. And as a reminder for us that whatever we're experiencing, there is a word of affirmation, an analogous story, and a directive that we can follow. So start with the word. And also never underestimate what a good prayer can do. Mm. A prayer of words, a request, words of adoration, or just sitting in silence and instead of talking— Listen. Mm. So to seek out God is to seek out the foundation of who we are uh, in our relationship with God, the Bible, in prayer, but also genuinely adopt the approach of seeing our brothers and sisters as the reflection of ourselves Mm. and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That element of curiosity. Are we being inquisitive enough to seek out our brothers and sisters and see where God is revealing God's self in others and in their testimony and experience? Mm. Winston, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will carry with them in the days ahead? In my sermon, I referenced the image that I took away from the story. And again, not just the image of two individuals having a conversation at the well, but the woman walking toward the well with an empty bucket, Mm. seeking refreshment of that water from the well. It is a reminder for us that there are always hills and valleys in our lives. And at some point, at some stage, we will be walking with a bucket that is bone dry. Mm. I wonder what it will be like when we know we have this empty bucket and Jesus is waiting for us at the well, just waiting to fill us up so we could continue along our earthly pilgrimage. It's a reminder that God is always there. And what God offers is renewal of life wherever we are. Mm. So carry your bucket. (laughs) God will fill it. Amen. Winston Arthur, thank you for being with us. Thank you and thanks be to God. Day One is the voice of America's mainline Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings.
on day one and forever. 